Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Uh, we're going to do a little a little touch base here with a couple of our agronomists and uh, one of our uh, technology development reps here in a few different segments. Uh, we just thought we'd kind of just touch base on what uh, what some of these guys are seeing uh, around the countryside, what they're getting calls on, uh, what are some of the key things that they are, they are looking out for uh, here in the next uh, next few weeks and what things uh, look like and, and really uh, where we've been. So uh, with us here in this segment, uh, we've got Brad Sherwin and from our northern iowa uh, t- uh contingent so hey guys welcome to the podcast glad to be here good to hear you you bet hey so we'll just uh we'll just throw it out to you brad and really what um you know what we've seen here in the in the wide planting window uh that we've seen whether it's been from april to to june what what are the top couple things that you're seeing and in, in getting calls on here recently Probably the biggest thing has been emergence issues. A lot of fields got planted in less than ideal conditions with the wet spring we had. So we started to see some of those early season diseases and thracnose and whatnot show up in the fields and irregular patterns. And then some replants that had to take place. Uh, saw some damping off in a few fields, that, that type of activity. It's probably been the biggest thing that I've been called out on lately. Yeah. Over in my area, probably uh, uh, those later planted fields, just the general health and color of the corn crop out there has been a concern for people. And, and you know, in our situation, you got to remember that those uh, those fields were uh, on the last planted end, likely because uh, those fields had either less drainage or um, just a soil type that stayed wetter longer. And it was a lot tougher to uh, find a window where you could put that crop in uh, ideally or even even do your, your tillage or field work um, with a soil condition that allowed you to till as deep as you wanted to or, or handle the residue you wanted, the way you wanted to. So it's just, uh, you know, we've got a couple planting days to just have a real tough color. Yeah. Uh... Rich, did I did I see was was it up in your part of the world that 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 May sixteenth planting date that were guys having to get the rotary hose out and try and get that that planting date out of the ground just to begin with or not? Yeah, it was that uh, 16, 17, 18, just depending on really when your area was able to take off and start planting again. It was, it was typically fields in that window that got planted the first day and a half you were able to go um, and really didn't warm up enough after that that it was uh, a very thick crust, but definitely uh, sealed off, very little oxygen in there and just popping it open a little bit one way or another and allowing that extra moisture to escape uh, really perked up some of it and, and helped that last four or 5,000 plants get out of the ground. Yeah. Brad, you you kind of mentioned some some damping off. Did you did you ever get a chance to look at any um, any fields maybe with or or without the 
the enhanced disease control on our on the seed treatments at all or were you able to to uh decipher or was it just just too much moisture well i did get out to a few of our ftn trials which are more large scale field scale type trials and where we had the enhanced disease control i think of one plot or one trial in particular it was right to the row very noticeable difference so i think the the seed treatments this year of course we have a long way to go but i'm i'm thinking right now that they may have a, a significant impact on yield uh, i think of that field that we planted it in the trial because everything was treated looked great but they replanted the rest of the field hmm. probably a, a good reason for that would be uh you know, if you think of that enhanced disease control with the with the increased rate, um, and as slow as corn uh, came out of the ground, as many weeks as it was underground, that enhanced disease control really lengthens out um, the residual of the fungicide um, and, and gives you several weeks longer where you can uh, protect that either seed or seedling and keep those pathogens from infecting the plant. So it makes sense that this would be the type of year, type of conditions where you'd see a dramatic difference. Yeah, and I, I think, Rich, you mentioned lengthening that out. I mean, that makes, that makes total sense this year where we had two, two wide, long windows of cool and wet. And that, that certainly would help us in that, that uh, when you say that higher rate of fungicide, that basically means we're going from a, a 250 rate to a 500 rate, correct? Yeah. I mean, relatively speaking, it, it's actually a bigger increase than that on the rate of fungicide. I think it's yeah. 4X. So, you it, you know, versus the insecticide where we double the rate, this would be four times as much uh, fungicide. Yep. And a lot of times you think of those uh, seed treatments probably give you about three weeks protection. Well, Shoot, we had corn that went in Easter weekend and didn't make the soil surface till May 17th. Yeah. You think about that, it was, I mean, the seed treatments uh, getting real close to worn off for that stuff that even made the surface. And so yeah. a product like that, uh, uh, elite seed treatment can certainly uh, swing, the, swing the tide in your favor. Sure. Brad, hey, what about uh, status of some of the, the nitrogen? I know we probably had a, a varying difference of, of nitrogen plans this spring and, and fall. Very Probably very little in the fall up in your, your guys' part of the world. But, you know, what, you know, we kind of stayed cool there in May. So maybe, uh, maybe didn't get as much converted. Maybe we didn't even get it on yet. What, you know, this this crop is really starting to hit it now and green up, you know, what, where are we going to be worried about running out here later in the year or not? Well, I've had a number of calls in the recent probably two weeks because corn looked really uneven and it didn't follow a normal pattern that you would say it was compaction or something like that. And kind of this wave effect went perpendicular to the rows. So it was really hard to make sense out of. And really I think what it boiled down to is, root development with the saturated soils and lack of air in there we didn't get the root development those plants that were able to reach that nitrogen and develop a little bit bigger root they greened up real quick and you had uh, gaps in between that just hadn't quite gotten down to it i don't think we've lost our nitrogen but when you look at 12 15 inches of rainfall like we had it obviously got moved down i know in my neck of the woods 
talking to a lot of dealers, you know, maybe five or 10% of the nitrogen got put on last fall. So it was a mad rush this spring to try and get nitrogen on. And, you know, a lot of urea went out because everybody in the front was trying to put nitrogen on. It was an equipment issue. And so I think we're, we may have lost some, but certainly not enough, I think, at this point that we need to be concerned about running out by the end of the year. Yeah. yeah and like a lot of the folks I talked to, the, we, we matched that exact same theory that it was it was where it's at, not how much we had left that was the concern. So a lot of a lot of times the solution was, you know, if you had a planned side dress application and you you're seeing a plant that's telling you there isn't much nitrogen available in this upper soil profile, um, that we would go ahead and execute that side dress application, even if it was smaller corn than the guy uh, normally might uh, typically side dress. We just kind of sped that whole process up and said, you know, well, let's, we know the root system's shallow. It hasn't had an opportunity or, or need to go looking for stuff because it's been so wet. Um, let's reintroduce our, our second layer of nitrogen right up on the surface where we think it's it's thin and, and uh, get that job out of the way because the way it was raining, it was kind of like uh, any day you had a window you could get something done. You just wanted to accomplish as much as you could, so we put that on the list too. Yeah. Rich, Rich you kind of mentioned there just whenever we had nice days, just – just getting something done and, and I think we could switch over and talk about beans and and uh weed control now you know what um what do we do here as we think about you know probably a lot of late planted probably a lot of June planted beans uh you know they're they're probably going to be struggling for uh overall height height I don't think lodging will be a big issue maybe this fall but but maybe canopy might be yeah. uh, what, you know, what do we think about here for post-application and beans? Yeah. I very much encouraging people to uh, consider uh, particularly if they don't have a residual on yet. Um, there, there's no way a fellow is going to make it through this year on contact applications without residual um, anyway, but even if they have one that went on, three, four weeks ago uh, on this next pass, weed control pass, I'd strongly consider residual because uh, I, I drive by countless bean fields and 30 inch rows, which, and it, I mean, they're, they're starting to grow. So we've only got 27 more inches before we canopy, um, <laughs> which may or may not ever happen. I bet if, if those rows do touch, uh, you know, sometime in August, it's not going to be a real tight canopy. There's still going to be some light getting through there. So, you know, if you got to make a trip out there and uh, say, uh, say you're like up us, we don't quite have uh, blooms out yet. So we got a little window here. We'll still be doing the, the extend application. Well, that that's a nice uh, combination of products to, uh, you know, take down the weeds that are out there and that little bit of, uh, uh, residual a couple weeks you get out of the dicamba coupled with the fact that it is so water soluble that residual is going to set in and and start functioning fairly quick um the longer term residuals like uh warrant you know they're not going to function right away they're going to have to get rained in uh get in soil solution so they they can get uh absorbed by the by the weeds and the shoots and whatnot so 
Um, it'll be a nice combo product and, and hopefully save us a trip later on in the summer. And the other thing is, you know, if we're going to start blooming here in the next five, seven, ten days, depending on when you plant it, where you're at. My gosh, the one one way, one thing I know that hurts soybean yields is let them get blooming and then go chase two foot water hemp out there with a bunch of meth oil and and burning type products and yep. knock them flat again. So we yep. that or uh, as much as possible. I think it'd be a real shot in the arm for for these soybeans. Just get them growing and and let them start getting some height and quit holding them back. Well, and I think one other thing we got to keep in mind when we talk about weed control, and, and Rich is exactly right, you know, it's going to be hard to get canopy. And we didn't get a prees down at a lot of acres, so I think we need to keep in mind when you've got weeds like that, especially grasses, you've got a prime habitat for a lot of pests to come in. You, know, you think of black cutworm, and where are they going to lay their eggs? Well, that's going to transition over to next year's crop, and if we're not paying attention, we could really be setting the stage for some problems next year. Yeah, could be mitigated by having good weed control this year. Yeah, so you know, probably a lot of scenarios too, where maybe some residual got put down in May uh, and has gotten moved lower in that soil profile. And certainly, you know, we we've had enough time now between planting and then now with some heat. You know, I think an overlapping residual like a warrant, like you said, Rich, is would certainly pay dividends here in uh, late July, early August. I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm, you know, a lot of those products we usually do that first pass with. Um, they're not season-long residual rates or products. They're, you know, we're trying to buy, keep it fairly clean for the next three, four weeks till we get another chance to do something. Now we're five weeks after that and 16 inches of water later. And and uh, you got to think that if it is still there, it's not in the right spot. Yeah, it. Yeah, the, the weeds germinate from the top end, and once those residuals sink below that, it's, it's hard to get much work out of them. So, Guys, any anything else here before we let you go and, and get back to your meeting? Well, I think the important thing right now is, is now is a good time to be out looking at those fields. If you've got some of these early season diseases starting to show up in the crop, and like Rich said, you know, we're, we're to the point where we're probably coming in with a second pass herbicide, or in some cases, maybe it's a first pass. If you start to see some of these diseases creeping in, anthracnose, uh, rhizoctonia, and whatnot, that V5 fungicide application, which has been kind of hit and miss over the years, this might be one of those years where it could actually pay big dividends. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd put a plug in for, uh, you know, in Iowa, we, we've had some spots, and it, it's been a challenging year to get it get everything done just the way you want to, but uh, we're still a lot better off than several other states. And uh, this is no time to take our foot off the gas pedal. I mean, if you can, if you can still uh, uh, do things management-wise to improve your yields or protect it, uh, I think we need to keep doing it because it's looking to me like it might be a good, a good season to be the owner of uh, them extra 10 bushels versus yeah. that in the past. So um, don't feel like uh, like all is lost or, or anything like that. Just, you know, keep after it and keep this crop as healthy as you can. Yeah, and I think 
Brad, you kind of mentioned the fungicide treatments. You know, it, it won't be long here. In a couple, three weeks, we'll be thinking about the VTR1 treatment in corn and then R3 in beans. You know, it. Uh, I think the environment is is rich in that disease triangle with a, a ton of moisture and some heat here. I, I think we, we the environment is certainly there. We know the hosts are out there. So, um, you know, certainly consider that that fungicide that, you know, certainly Delaro is an option here now in our por- portfolio to, uh, to mitigate that. So uh, certainly be, be a number of things to watch out for here in the next couple of weeks. So guys, I'll, I'll let you get back to your, your meeting, but, but thanks for jumping on. And, and certainly we'll, we'll touch base here uh, probably here in the next uh, few weeks and see how things are progressing. So thanks guys. You're welcome. Thank you. So next we're going to move over to uh, Matt Nelson, and he's going to take us through some, some things he's seeing in southwest Iowa. Hey, everyone. Next up, we've got uh, Matt Nelson, uh, technology development representative in southwest Iowa. Matt, we uh, you just swung into the office here this afternoon and, and thought we would uh, maybe touch on a few points here. And, and we've got a couple of topics here that have really, in my mind, kind of snuck up on us, right? So we, we've got uh, a huge planting delays and, and spraying delays, but we kind of want to touch on uh, some of the uh, Extendamax application requirements. Uh, certainly the website there, ExtendamaxApplicationRequirements.com. And, but certainly, you know, what are those things that have kind of snuck up on us here this last couple of weeks that we need to be watching about, about those uh, on-label requirements? Absolutely. And thanks for, thanks for letting me come on and uh, talk about this for a little bit. It's uh, certainly been a busy spring and uh, application-wise, uh, hectic is probably not the word I would use to describe it. I'm not sure that that's, that's strong enough. With all the different planting dates, I know juggling when your pre's got put on, as well as now when to spray your post products has been a bit of a mess, especially if you had beans planted early, say in that May 15th window, and then beans planted the first week of June. That's certainly been difficult to balance. Um, I think first and foremost, we need to talk about the application restrictions for post-emergence application. If you're going to be applying uh, Extendamax in Roundup Ready Extend soybeans, uh, new to the label in 2019, uh, that cutoff is uh, prior to R1 or 45 days after planting. And uh, regardless of, of when you planted, uh, again, if you were early, you're certainly past that 45-day window now. But if you planted middle of May or in that early June time frame, uh, more than likely you haven't, uh, you haven't made a post application yet. Hopefully, hopefully you have. You've gotten out early. We like to recommend about 20 days or so after you plant. But I recognize the weather didn't allow for that this right. year. So right. uh, being sure that you one are aware of where your soybeans are at. So uh, 45 days is pretty easy to track. Uh, R1 is again, you need to stop prior to that stage. Uh, I always describe that as at least two flowers on the main stem node uh, on a soybean plant. Uh, and then in, for each field, it's uh, across half the plants in that field. So if you estimate there are some flowers out there, but it's not all the way across the field, that means you're probably uh, still just short of, of R1. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, just a couple other requirements as well. 
um, on like the wind speed. So that extended max needs to be applied uh, when the wind's between three and 10 miles an hour. And I, I, my real recommendation there uh, is that you get some, some some sort of equipment to let you measure wind speed at your boom height. So yeah. I think this always kind of gets lost in the shuffle that it's not the wind speed from the weather station or uh, from you sticking your arm out the tractor cab. <laughs> uh, you actually need to walk down it and measure yeah. it right at the boom. And they make some products for your phone that read wind speed. Uh, there are other anemometers that you can use as well. So uh, those are probably two of the biggest things that I would be watching as well as making sure you're using the app, the uh, Roundup Ready Extend Spray app, uh, as well as the web sh- website that Brent mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned the uh, cutoff times there, and I think those are probably the two things uh, that are sneaking up on us, right? So the 45 days, um, a lot of us uh, here in, in central Iowa had a, a May 16th-ish window. That was that real warm 90-degree Thursday mm-hmm. uh, there in May. Uh 45 days sneaks up on us and that puts us already uh next Monday. Next Monday. Yep. Yeah. So that that's really sneaking up on us. R1 um with soybeans being uh a daylight sensitive crop and we're past the summer solstice now depending upon your planting date. Uh you're you're either seeing R1 or you're quickly quickly approaching probably yeah, what, start watching next week yeah, right get, getting there sometime by next week and yeah. and i guess my recommendation with that is you know we know monday's coming up the forecast actually uh for tomorrow looks very good lower wind speeds uh supposed to be nice and warm uh, and i think you may get some decent weather on into the weekend as well so yeah. if you planted around that window i think you've got a couple days where you can potentially get in and spray before we'll hit that 45 day cutoff yeah and actually we've seen a couple of evenings here where the winds just playing it plane died Mm -hmm. and that isn't great for our system either so that's something to watch out for with that app and that those tools at the boom height just make sure we're above that three mile an hour too yeah absolutely sometimes in the evening you'll see that gravel that gravel road does start to hang i usually notice it around seven eight o'clock and and you'll you'll see that in the app as well it it shows up the certain time frames where you don't want to spray are going to show up red in that forecast tab Mm -hmm. and i think that's really useful yeah Matt, anybody that's also follows you on Twitter probably saw your tweet there yesterday that uh, you saw some tremendous insect feeding on uh, soybean plants uh, planted into cover crop. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was an interesting case. Just I noticed going down the road uh, next to my research farm. So I decided to hop out and look. And and yeah, to the row, uh, much more severe defoliation. In fact, probably enough to warrant insecticide. Um, to the row was only in the cover crop area. And then when you jumped to the normal tillage on his end rows where there wasn't rye, it was, uh, you know, 5% feeding versus 35 or 40. So, uh, I guess a couple, a couple watch outs with that. So we've been in Southwest Iowa in particular, we've been dealing with a lot of, uh, insect pressure from the, from certain caterpillars. So yellow striped army worm has been a, a big, a big pest. Uh, the thistle caterpillar is the one you've probably heard the most about. Yep. That one becomes the the painted lady butterfly. Um, I've heard that one discussed as when good butterflies go bad, and I, th- I think that's a pretty f- <laughs> I think that's a pretty funny way to remember that yeah. one. In this case, with the cover crop, it was actually green clover worm. Yeah. Uh, I think all that comes down to is that was one of the only things green this uh, yeah. this last year, and I think they liked it uh, as a potential food source, and they probably just moved there. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the reason the pressure was so heavy there. And that's that's not unexpected. It's just the insect pressure from these defoliators, these caterpillars, uh, has been way higher this year. Normally, we don't see it get anywhere near a treatment level. Yeah. So <clears throat> if we think about throwing an insecticide in our post-application 
um, with extended max? What what are we looking at for requirements there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Normally, we only talk about insecticides when we're applying a fungicide sometime around R three in that in that reproductive window. Uh, in this case, though, if you've seen greater than thirty uh, percent defoliation, and and I I don't know that it's common, but I I have seen a few fields that are probably at that point. Uh, there are certain products you can apply post-emergence, and uh, actually the uh, Extendamax label has received an update online. If you go to extendamaxapplicationrequirements.com and go to the tank mix section, you can now filter approved tanks mix, tanks mix partners by whether it's a herbicide or a fungicide or, in this case, an insecticide. Sure. So there are some, some combination products. They usually contain a pyrethroid and, and a neonicotinoid um, uh, group three and a four A. If you're mm-hmm. following the the uh, the frac codes there for those uh, insecticides, and those will give you control of your thistle caterpillar and your armyworm. So uh, those are good options, and it's it's nice to have this new updated label that uh, gives our growers a little bit of flexibility. We certainly have gotten more calls uh, than I can ever remember on using an insecticide with a post product. Yeah. Matt, one other thing here on some chemistry that we also saw this spring was probably um, with this delayed planting or just delayed spring right just let's just call it what it is we had just such a long spring anywhere from chemistry getting planted or put down in april to probably post applications here in middle of june mm-hmm. you know a lot of these residuals broke right at, and in different timings depending upon your your chemistries give us some thoughts around that of of why they broke um was it was it the moisture was it the length of time they were sitting there was a combination what what led up to these residuals breaking down so quickly again another good question and this spring was much like last year's uh planting date wise spraying wise we were all over the board Mm -hmm. so i think we had a few different types of failures with residual products this year uh, we had some residual products that actually got applied post-emergence, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, um, you know, some, usually it was a residual corn product that could, that was labeled pre-emergence, but could also go on V2 or 3 corn um, that got applied actually post-emergence. So then that kind of shifted when the actual post, you know, your, 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 your knockdown and your late residual in corn went on. And around that time, of course, if it got a sprayed that late, we saw a lot of rainfall. Yeah. Uh, obviously, May was very wet, so the, the latter half of that. So uh, what, what we saw there was uh, with water, it's kind of a, a two-way street. So you need rainfall for activation for almost all pre's. So about a half inch is usually required. And what that will do is, is kind of help move that herbicide into uh, a zone in the soil where, where weeds are going to be emerging and germinating in. And uh, once, once there, it will uh, start to affect those weeds as they emerge. Uh, what can happen if you get enough rainfall is it will actually uh, either maybe uh, leach some of, that, some of that herbicide. It can cause it to be broken down quickly. Micro- mm-hmm. Microbes operate faster when there's mm-hmm. a little bit more moisture. Sometimes it can also just move that herbicide further down in the soil. Yeah. So it can actually move it below where those weeds are going to be emerging from. So we saw that a lot specifically with large seeded broadleaves. Um, I know on a lot of programs, uh, it was the, the cockleburrs and the velvet leaves that broke through first, yep. um, which is pretty pretty typical for a lot of our, uh, our corn prees. And on, on the soybean side, what I saw a lot of was uh, soybeans that were planted early, got a good burn down, and maybe they went out and, and, and put a pre-product on at planting in that late November, maybe early May time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they couldn't return to the field until 
uh, the second week of June. So that's clearly not ideal simply for, again, as I mentioned, moisture can affect those, but eventually you're just going to run out of residual activity and then you're going to have weeds come up and grow through. So as you, to answer your question, it was a bit of both, both moisture and also just the amount of time that lapsed between our pre and our post. Yeah. Yeah. Such a wide window there from, from the end part of April till, till June when we really needed it to work, you know, instead of a three week window, we needed it for six, right? Correct. So, and upwards of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine inches of rain on top of some of that stuff too. So, yeah, it's always, we didn't get to the second year in a row, we didn't exactly get ideal situations for keeping our residual. Now, I think most of the pre's did get activated unless, um, you know, there were some dry periods really early if you planted in that April 14th yep. window, but, yeah. um, we just got too much moisture on top of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think you kind of use the word failure there, but I, I think, I think they worked well for a long period of time. Correct. We just, our corn plants just didn't match up to where size wise, canopy wise, where we really needed them to be. Yeah. And another, another scenario that I saw too was that corn that got planted in late April, some of that stayed in the ground for almost 25 days. And sure. and if your residual product gives you 30 days, you're usually very happy with that. However, I think some of those weeds started outgrowing the corn once it came up, and we just didn't get the corn up to the height that we wanted before the yep. prees ran out of their activity. Yep. Well, Matt, thanks a lot for stopping in. Thanks for the updates. Uh, we're going to have a couple more here for us here uh, as we bounce around the state and see what's going on elsewhere. But thanks a lot for stopping in. Yep, thanks for having me. But thanks, Matt.